Father, we do thank you for the privilege of gathering together. You said that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So much the more as uh, you, uh, as the day approaches of our Lord's return. We thank you, Father God, that you do have a plan and purpose for our churches and for our lives. And that uh, part of that plan is hearing the word of God and receiving uh, the ministry for the time and for the season that will equip us and prepare us uh, for what's in our future. We thank you today that the Holy Spirit uh, anoints uh, what's spoken, gives us utterance to speak, and gives us uh, ears and a heart to hear. We purpose in our heart, Father God, to respect and honor your word as it is, Lord God, your word um, uh, that's truth and that's life-changing, transformative. We pray, Father God, that each one of us would get answers today, would uh, get stability and uh, spiritual uh, maturity and progress would come about through the hearing of your word. We give you praise, Lord God, for your faithfulness all the times that you have uh, helped us and uh, brought us along. And we uh, thank you, Father God, for doing good and great things in our life, uh, completing that that you began. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Uh, praise God. Uh, Y'all ready to receive this morning? If you have your Bibles, uh, why don't we start in John 14? I uh, had similar things on my heart. I didn't attend the day services with the youth camp, but I uh, went up at night, and uh, Lance was saying that they had uh, had it on their heart to share with uh, our younger generation uh, about uh, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the work, and the... Um, ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I have had some of the same similar things on my heart for myself personally, and I think just uh, also that it's beneficial for uh, us to receive of it together. So, uh, we're John 14, this is a, a good starting uh, place for learning uh, more about the Holy Spirit the work of the Holy Spirit, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I want to remind you, I've said this before, but uh, when Jesus left the earth uh, from his earthly ministry uh, here, uh, John, the last chapters of John 14, 15, 16, 13, 14, 15, 16, or uh, Jesus communicating uh, to his disciples prior to leaving. So it's important that we realize the context of the last part of John was the last things that Jesus imparted or said uh, in his time on earth before he left here. And so, uh, you know, uh, if we really get into the last chapters of John, there's two uh, major themes that Jesus emphasized. And uh, how many knows that uh, somebody said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> now, now, I know that sounds redundant, but how many knows if the Bible majors or emphasizes something, 
then that should be something that we don't take trivially or lightly. It should be something that we realize is, you know, fundamental, foundational, you know, in our, you know, establish, being established and, and you know, our, our life of faith. And so two things that Jesus uh, uh, spoke and, 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 and imparted to his disciples and spoke, and we know he spoke, you know, as he always did what uh, God's will was. He, he spoke a number of times and addressed walking in love. I mean, I mean those walking in love is important. Uh, John thirteen thirty four says, A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another even as I have loved you. He said, by this, walking in this new commandment of love, shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one toward another. I grew up on a farm, uh, you know, and my folks had cows, uh, cattle, and... Uh, we didn't, but my uncle, who had land not far from ours, uh, ran on a larger, uh, he was a full-time rancher. We were, you know, part-time ranchers. We wore our, you know, blue jeans with, you know, one boot out and one boot. <laughs> that means you got one cow. If you got them both out, it means, you know, you got two. So, anyway. <laughs> Uh, he he was a full time rancher, and he and my cousin ran my his son ran their cattle together, and so to separate them, uh, they had ear tags, which you know would take the place of what used to be branding, <clears throat> and uh, and so uh, my uh, uncle's cows had uh, yellow ear tags, and my cousin's cows had orange ear tags, and that way they could tell them apart. And so uh, uh, that identified uh, which cow, which which owner the cows belonged to, and Jesus said, "By this shall all men know that you're my disciple. Uh, you know that we love one another. So how do you tell a true, uh, you know, genuine uh, Christ disciple? The Bible says that your your ear tag." <laughs> your ear tag is going to be, I love, uh, you know, uh, one another even as Jesus loved us. So what characterizes true disciples, if you want to find true disciples of the Lord, one thing Jesus said is that they walked in love. And so uh, we are his disciples and we do endeavor to walk in the God kind of love. Amen? And we know that he said that was a new commandment. Right? Uh, previously, the capacity and the ability to walk in that kind of love uh, was not uh, there to the degree that under the new covenant it became. Uh, you know, previous to that, the law of love had been love your neighbor as yourself. Right? But Jesus said, not only to love your neighbor as yourself, he said to love one another even as I have loved you. And we know that Jesus laid down his life self-sacrificially 
uh, for us. And so he said, John said, if he lay down his life for us, we ought to lay down our life for one another. Amen? And uh, that's part of Christ's likeness. But then again, uh, you know, that became doable because uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man in Christ, he's a new creature. In other words, we have a new nature. When we're born again, we're born of above, and God is love. And if we're born of God and we're God's children, when we're the loved children of a love God. Say that with me. I'm a love child of a love God. I have His DNA. I have His nature. And who is God by nature? Intrinsically, essentially, He, you know, what we learned in Sunday school as a child, God is love. Amen? And we can't ever overemphasize the uh, commandment or the, you know, that uh, important uh, discipleship, identification, and foundational, uh, you know, uh, operation of higher life is to be uh, governed by the law of love. Love is to govern my actions. Love is to govern my words. And uh, when I step out of love, I'm stepping out of the light, First John says, and into darkness. And so, uh, you know, the Bible identifies what love is in 1 Corinthians 13 very clearly, that love is patient, love is kind, love suffers long, love doesn't envy, it doesn't vaunt itself or is not puffed up or arrogant. Uh, you know, it talks about that it's not unbecomingly rude or unmannerly. Uh, it talks about that love is, uh, uh, you know, doesn't seek its own. It's not touchy, fretful, or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Right? Rejoices not at unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Uh, believes all things, hopes all things, endure all things. Love never ceases or never fails. Goes on to say that, you know, where, you know, there's tongues, they shall cease. Where there's prophecy, it shall come to an end. Uh, but that uh, now abides faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love will never cease to be the operational law of the kingdom of God, both in this life and the life to come. There's a lot of things Paul said we see in the same chapter. He said, we see through a glass darkly. He said, then we'll know even as we're known. Now we know in part. Uh, you know, we just know in part right now. Uh, and so our knowledge is, is partial. And uh, our, you know, uh, understanding of a lot of things is impartial. But uh, those things will be completed so that they will not just be partial. He said, now we see in a mirror, uh, you know, in just, uh, you know, a silhouette, but then we're going to see clearly at Christ's return. Amen. And we're going to be, we're going to know ourselves as we're known of God. But he said, love is not ever going to be completed like knowledge is. Love is going to continue to be the operational standard of the kingdom of God. Love never ceases. So it's uh, the eternal operational mode of operation in the kingdom of God.
and we're born of God's love, and we're the love children of a love God. And, uh, you know, we often quote the scripture in Ephesians 5 where it says, uh, Be ye imitators of God as dear children. But the rest of that verse says, And walk in love. Just turn there. <laughs> we'll come back to John. Ephesians. Praise the Lord. Uh, you know, man broke the chapters up. Uh, he said, Be ye therefore, 5.1 of Ephesians, be therefore followers of God. Uh, the, the, the Greek word there for followers comes from the word uh, that we use, imitate. And actually, that's where the word mime comes from. Have you ever seen a mime imitate somebody? Act like somebody or do all their movements well, uh, that's what he's saying, not in a, in a deceptive or a false sense to mime God, but we are to imitate or act just like our Father. Right? So he said, be followers or imitators of God as dear children. How many knows children will imitate their parents? Right? Uh, you know, little Susie will take her doll and treat the doll like mom does a baby and you know little Johnny will push his toy lawnmower you know like dad most with the mower and so uh, it's within kids to imitate their parents uh, you know good pastoral interjection right here is the best way not to pass something to the next generation is to get it out of you <laughs> Sometimes people, you know, look at your kids, and I do too, and I'm saying, why does that kid act like that? And I'm just like, they're a chip off the old block. <laughs> it's like somebody said, sometimes it's a blockhead. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the way to not pass it, the way to pass it down is to the gener next generation is get it in you. If you want faith in your kids... Pass it down by, you know, uh, living a life of faith. We're to live in the light of eternal life uh, at, in our homes. Amen. And uh, model or be an example. You know, leadership uh, comes down to influence. Right? What, what, what can you define? What's a good leader? Somebody that's influencing someone else. And, uh, you know, the, the, the most powerful leadership is example, leadership of example. You know, the Bible says that Jesus were to follow in after the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Uh, the word example in the New Testament, it means to make an imprint or to an uh, impression. Uh, you know, if you hit something with a chisel or a die or something that has uh, something on it, it can make that same stamp on what you hit it with. And so we're to impact or to influence other people with our example. You know, Paul told Timothy, he said, that no man despise your youth, even though you're young. He said, don't let them, don't let them depreciate you because you're young. But he said, the way to gain... Uh, you know, uh, avenue into people's life. He said, be an example in word, in the way you talk. Uh, he said, in love, 
in faith and in purity and said he's talking about living a life a lifestyle that uh, can be emulated or can be uh, can be uh, you know reproduced in other people. Are we getting too heavy this morning? Uh, you know, there's the, the, we need the, a lot of people don't want to take responsibility for anything. And if you're going to make advancement in God, uh, you have to take personal responsibility for your life. The only way, the only track to mature and grow is to take personal responsibility for your life. Uh, you know, there's so much excuse making, right? And uh, pride makes excuses, humility makes changes. Say that with me. Pride makes excuses. Humility makes changes. So, uh, you know, you say, well, I don't, I'm not, I don't change very easily. Well, that's a bad characteristic to have. Say, well, you just can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, we're not old dogs. We're new creations. <laughs> Can you say man? And the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians 3, us beholding the Lord and His glory uh, in His Word and by the Spirit that we're changed from glory to glory. And so if I'm not changing, I'm not growing. Sometimes people say, are you implying, uh, you know, uh, that I need to change? Absolutely. Unequivocally. <clears throat> All of us need to change because if we're not changing, we're not growing. And if we're not growing, either we're, we have arrived in perfection, which you haven't. I hate to bust your bubble this morning, but you hadn't arrived yet, <laughs> right? Uh, we ha if we're not growing, we've either arrived at perfection. Uh, if we don't need to change, we've either arrived at perfection or we're deceived. And so uh, we're all uh, developing, maturing, and growing. Can you say amen? And, uh, and so we don't want to make excuses. We want to make changes. And the Holy Spirit will help us to change. You know, I've said this recently, and it bears repeating. There is much uh, grace available for the Christian to become Christ-like as there is grace available for the sinner to become uh, saved. How many knows that, you know, Lance read the Scripture with, with giving this morning, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. He wasn't talking about, in the purest sense, he wasn't talking about that being saving grace. He was actually talking about God's grace and favor upon us to supply every need so that we have seed to sow and uh, bread to eat. 
How many believe that God's ability and favor and goodness can come on you to a degree that you've not only got enough, but you've got more than enough, so God can not only get it to you, He can get it through you and not only make you a reservoir, but make you a channel of blessing so that His kingdom can be advanced and promoted. I just rejoiced at our church this past week. We're able to help the guest minister and bring him on after a godly sort, get him to the next place. Uh, you know, uh, the youth camp was blessed and the ministry, the kingdom of God, lives were changed and transformed through the power of God's Spirit. And we were able to underwrite that and to, uh, to you know, to be a part of the kids that we uh, sowed into and helping another ministry go forward so that more people can be blessed. But there's not just, you know, God's, the Bible calls God the God of all grace who hath called us to His eternal, eternal glory. And there's more in the New Testament about different facets of God's grace than there is about His saving grace. I mean, once you've experienced God's saving grace, you need to know about the other aspects of His grace. Uh, you know, Paul got into a situation at one point where he was going through tests and trials, and he said he besought the Lord three times that the thorn, uh, you know, uh, you know, would depart from him. And God said, my grace is sufficient. Well, Paul was already saved. That was grace to get through a rough test and trial. And if you get enough of God's grace on you, you can get through anything. The first mention of grace is in Genesis 6, and it said Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Well, Noah, God's grace got Noah through something that nobody else got through. I believe that if God's grace was that available in the Old Testament and could get Noah through the judgment of the flood that destroyed everybody else, I believe uh, that God hadn't lost His grace. In fact, He said, come boldly in the book of Hebrews to the throne of grace. His throne is called a throne of grace. And the only reason His throne is called a throne of grace is because He sits upon it and He's the God of all grace. I have become convinced, thoroughly persuaded, that there's nothing that the enemy can bring, no test or no trial, or nothing that life will throw at me that I can't overcome. Because it would have to be stronger than God is. And there isn't anything stronger than God. There's nothing, the Bible says, can separate us from the love of God. Angels, principalities, high, depth, things past, things present, no future circumstances. I mean, if you stay connected with God, who is the God of all grace, and you've got enough faith and trust to receive that grace, then you can get through anything and everything because God's grace is available to us. The Bible says again, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy I mean, even if you've messed up, mercy is, you know, somebody said, grace is getting what we don't deserve. Uh, mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And God has both, mercy and grace. Can you say amen? I don't know about you, but I've had to utilize both. Amen? Uh, you know, oftentimes people in the New Testament cried out, 
uh, that needed healing uh, would cry out, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus didn't rebuke them and say, No, it's not mercy you want, it's healing that you want. Uh, it's the mercy of God and the grace of God that can get us through any and every situation. You know, I don't believe that I'm a casualty this morning. I don't believe I'm a statistic this morning. Not because I'm perfect or because I'm wonderful, but uh, God is greater than anything that's going to try to take me out. I mean, there's a Bible, uh, you, Jesus said, no one can pluck me, you from my Father's hand. God's got me this morning. And, and all of hell, all the devils in hell. <clears throat> can you say amen? Uh, not because I've been so perfect or been such a wonderful model Christian. I'm endeavoring to grow just like you're endeavoring to grow. But I know that God loves me. And if God's loved me, His grace is available to me. And He can get me and will get me through anything and everything that shows up. That's good news. Amen. And... Uh, and, uh, of course, God said that He gave grace to the humble. He resisted the proud. And we're back to making excuses. I mean, you can't make excuses. You've got to make changes. How I many knows repentance is, is called making a change? If you've been doing a certain thing or living a certain way and God doesn't approve uh, of it, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, what do you do? You go and you say, Lord... I, I'm a, I've offended you. I, I'm not doing what you said. I'm not, I'm not in obedience. I, I'm, you know, uh, not walking in love. We're talking about walking in love this morning, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you acknowledge it and you make changes. Say it with me. I can change. Amen. You know, in the Old Testament... Um, you know, Saul, it's an interesting study to study the kings. Um, you know, um, I was talking about this earlier. Uh, why the kings succeeded and why they failed. Some of them didn't finish their uh, course and they didn't finish their uh, leadership. Uh, they died prematurely. They died young. For example, Saul, the first king, uh, you know, was replaced by David because his heart wasn't right with the Lord. Right? Uh, and if you're going to make it all the way, you've got to be, uh, you've got to possess the ability to make changes. How I many knows if you're going to drive back to your house from church today, you can't just put your hands on the steering wheel and never make a change. Part of navigation, part of driving is making some adjustments all along the way. And, uh, and so part of, you know, staying in God's perfect will is, uh, is making adjustments. We're not talking about digging through the closet, trying to find things, you know, to be condemned about or anything like that. We're just talking about living accurately, living uh, responsibly, living, uh, you know, with the kind of heart that God can uh, deal with us 
you know, David said that uh, in, uh, you know, in, in a couple of places he talked about uh, that in the night season, uh, the Lord uh, had uh, that his reigns. He talked about his reigns. And, and we're not talking about RAI like rain that falls. Uh, actually, uh, you know, the reins of his heart would be uh, somewhat. I mean, has ever heard of a horse that's uh, rain trained? What does that mean? Well, that means you don't have to get a bridle and a bit and pull them real hard if the rain trade just that little strap of leather laying on their le neck they will respond to that small input without having to be drug or forced right you don't want to have to be uh, you know the lord to have to yank you around or you want to be sensitive to and responsive to the Lord. Can you say man? Uh, you know, in the Psalms, the psalmist said, don't be like the mule or the donkey that has to have a bit and bridle put in their mouth. I'll read it to you. You can just hold your place there. We're off the subject this morning, but I think we're still on the subject, okay? <laughs> Say, I change. I grow. I adjust. And I go forward. You know, if you're teachable, you're reachable. If you're unteachable, you're unreachable. And, you know, that's why the Bible says in James chapter 1, it says... Uh, to receive God's Word with meekness. How am I supposed to receive the Word of God? Well, I've got my own set of truth, and here's another set of truth, and I'll decide which one. That's not receiving the Word of God with meekness. I mean, those are political correctness and their scriptural correctness. And, uh, you know, uh, whether politicians think I'm correct or not is not my concern. Whether God thinks my life, you know, wisdom, the Bible says, uh, you know, that we're to live, uh, you know, don't be uh, foolish or unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We can know the will of God through His Word and by His Spirit. Uh, you know, it's an excuse to say, well, the will of God is just mysterious. You can never know the will of God anyway. The Bible says, don't be, Ephesians 5.17, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. It says in Romans 12.2, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. We're back to God's mercy. He said, by the mercies of God, talking to the Gentiles that had been saved by God's mercy. Paul was writing to those same Gentiles and said, I beseech you by the mercies of God to, uh, to present your body a living sacrifice unto God. And he knows that, you know, we're, he's to be Lord of all of our life. To present our body as a living sacrifice, uh, you know, uh, and uh, which is, you know, he said, our reasonable or our spiritual service. And he said, don't be conformed to this world. What the word conform means to be pressured 
by this world's view. How many knows that there's a world view that's very different and have, the world has a standard that's very different from God's standard? The thing about God's standard is in God's view, it don't change. And He doesn't need to change because He's perfect. And the way God thinks and the God's perspective is perfection. But He said, don't be conformed to this world. I mean, he knows if, if the, the Word of God tells us not to be conformed to this world, there's a very real uh, uh, thing that we should be aware of is if we're warned not to conform to this world, uh, that conformity to this world uh, you know, is a very real, uh, you know, thing that we need to watch for. Yeah. Now, when we're talking about the world, we're not talking about isolating ourselves from people. We're just talking about living according to God's standard and not letting the world influence us or mold us or conform us to its standard. Somebody said, you know, uh, you know like with uh, ocean-going vessels, uh, there's nothing wrong with a ship in the sea. But there is something wrong with the sea in the ship. Two different things. A ship in the sea is one thing. The sea in the ship is another thing. And so the, the, the adage or the example is, is there's nothing wrong with us being in the world. Jesus said, uh, you're in this world, but not of this world. There's nothing wrong with us being in the world, but there is something very wrong with us, the world being in us. Because the Bible says the world lies under the influence of the spirits of darkness, and it's under satanic control. And that we have been taken out of that darkness and transferred into the kingdom of His dear Son. And now we're the children of light and we're to walk in the light. And even Psalms 1.1 said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, that stands in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He uh, meditate day and night. It says that man's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither, but whatsoever he does shall prosper. Just because the majority says something is correct, uh, I get red flags when people say, well, the majority... The, the word majority just gets me, uh, you know, in a mode of, of, of warning. There was 12 spies that went up to spy out Canaan's land. Ten of the 12, the majority came back with what the Bible says was an evil report. Only Caleb and Joshua, two of 12. We were talking about in prayer school this morning about uh, 10 lepers got healed and one came back. Jesus said, where are the majority? Where are the, <laughs> where are the other nine? In other words, if you do, uh, most of the time, if you do what the majority if, if, you, if you look at what the majority is doing and don't do it, you're going to be more correct than if you did what the majority was doing. And so like we said before, it takes spiritual strength to swim upstream. Dead fish float downstream. And if you're a dead fish Christian, 
then you're just going to float with the undercurrent and the influence of the world. But God called you to be the salt of the earth. He called us to be the light of the city that was set on the, on, on the hill. And if you're looking for the easiest path, then you shouldn't embrace or try to pursue discipleship in the kingdom of God because it's radical, revolutionary, and it's not the easiest way. Because, you know, to really be a disciple of the Lord Jesus, you're going to have to mortify your body and your flesh and put your will and surrender to the Lord's will. Now, you know, you think, you know, well, I want to do this and I want to do that. But even those things, the Lord, what the Lord tells us and guides us and leads us into is actually for our benefit because He loves us, because He knows what the outcome will be if we do obey Him, and He knows what the outcome will be if we don't obey Him. So even the don'ts are for our benefit. Can you say man? God has our personal best interest at heart. That's why Jesus came and died for us uh, in His great love for us because He had our personal interest at heart. And He still does and always will do. But the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. You know, I like people that have the guts to stand up like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, I'm not going to buy. <laughs> I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to dilute it. I'm not going to water it down. <laughs> Are you still here? I'm going to live godly in an ungodly world. I'm going to live as a light, uh, you know, in darkness. I'm going to hold forth the word of truth and I'm going to live to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even if it means, you know me, you know uh, suffering loss, the Bible says that Moses, when he came of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. How many knows that he had privilege to the throne, to all the gold, to all the drugs, to the fastest chariots and horses, to, you know, the most luxurious, rich, palatial, uh, you know, homes in Egypt. He had access to it all. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Some historians say that he stood in line to inherit the throne of the world power of that time. And they treated the pharaohs like they were gods in human. There was nothing that they, as far as natural things, that they didn't have access to or couldn't have. But the Bible says that when Moses came of age, it says, and, and we need to come of age and mature. When you get a little bit of maturity, how many knows Jesus wasn't the most popular person during his time? I mean, they crucified him. They uh, mocked him. They opposed him. Religious people, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of sectors of people oppose the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that the disciple is not above his master. Can you say amen? But everyone that's perfect shall be as his master. But it says Moses refused... <laughs> You, you have to refuse being conformed to the world uh, view of today. Because the world view has changed the definition of what God said marriage was in Genesis uh, 2. 
that says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. You know, I may get some, you know, uh, you know, mail over the internet or something, but it wasn't uh, Adam and Steve. It was Mad- Adam and Eve. <laughs> Amen? Uh, you know, things that are, are politically acceptable and correct, you know, and we're not just knocking, you know, homosexuality as a sin this morning. Heterosexual sin is just as much sin as homosexual sin. Sin is sin. Can you say man? But sin is to be acknowledged and repented of for, you know, people say, well, Jesus, uh, he taught, uh, you know, tolerance and exception. And, 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 you know, inclusion. He taught, uh, you know, tolerance, acceptance, and inclusion. You hear a lot of those words today. What Scripture is that? That Jesus taught acceptance. The Bible says Jesus came and preached repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The way to be accepted with God is to acknowledge if He said it was sin, now He will accept you in His love. But, and He loves everybody. But just because He loves everybody and died for everybody don't mean He loves everything that everybody does. There's a difference between loving people and loving what people do. And He loves sinners, and we've all been a sinner. But the only way out of sin is to acknowledge sin and repent and then turn and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. So well, you're making people uncomfortable. No, that's the truth that will set people free and we love people enough to tell them the truth. And just because we don't accept uh, certain things that God said is unacceptable doesn't mean that we don't love It just means that you can't love sin and love God at the same time. Jesus said, I've loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Can you say amen? You have to love what God loves and hate what God hates if you're going to be on God's side. We need more preaching like that. There's so much mush out there that we need something with some, you know, some, uh, you know, foundational truth in it that actually qualifies, uh, you know, and, and, and causes, you know, uh, alignment with God. How many is on God's side this morning? I'm not going to compromise with the world and, and be conformed to the world to have the world's approval. I believe that account is in Hebrews 11 about Moses because it's a very, very real story for us today. To, uh, the, Moses refused to be called the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. If Moses can refuse, you and I can refuse. And it says he chose. It was a choice deliberately on his part. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. 
there is pleasure in sin. Right? But uh, in God, it's only temporary pleasure. Uh, the Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy, and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Sin can be pleasurable for a season to your flesh, but righteousness and godliness is profitable, the Bible says, both in this life and the life to come. And the Bible says that Moses chose rather, thank you for putting the scriptures up, guys, chose rather to suffer affliction. So he refused something, and then on the heels of that, he chose something else. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Next verse. How many believes that Moses was smart? You know, wisdom means foresight and insight. And it means seeing things like God sees things. Say it with me. Wisdom is insight and foresight. You, you see the true nature of things in God's wisdom. Not just the external, you know, uh, outside of it, but the heart of it. Uh, wisdom is insight and it's foresight. What does foresight mean? It means ability to make decisions today that will get the correct results in the future. How many believes that Noah had uh, foresight, the wisdom of God? He believed, you know, Noah preached righteousness, the Bible said, in while he was preparing the ark. That was 120 years. And he preached and preached and preached. And the, we're talking about, you know, the majority again. How many were saved? The Bible says only a few, and we know it was eight, Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives. Eight out of a whole generation was saved by the grace of God and by the wisdom of God, and the others would not respond because apparently Noah was preaching while he was building. Was the majority correct? It wasn't. Jesus said, say Jesus said. It said, Jesus said that there's a broad way that leads to destruction. And how many go in that? Many go down that way. But he said there's a narrow and a straight way and few that find it. So is the majority correct? No, the majority go into destruction. I thank God today that the Lord has gave us light and gave us enough wisdom and gave us a heart that's able to be teachable to lay hold upon divine wisdom and to lay, see God's perspective and to cleave to and adhere to and hold fast to God and, and the way He sees things. It goes back to pride because you, you've got to decide whether what, the way you think it's right or whether you think God's uh, the way that God... I, I, you know, it, it's a revelation to some people that God is smarter than they are. The Bible said there is a way that seems right to man, but that ends up in destruction. <clears throat> right? 
But the path of the just, it grows brighter and brighter to that coming day. I want to make decisions today that cause me to be ready for the Lord's return. Just like the flood came in Noah's day, I want to make decisions today, even if it goes against the grain and it's non-conformity to the world and it's politically non-correct and it doesn't agree with the worldview of the majority, I'm not going to stand before the majority and give an account of my life. I don't breathe their air. They don't heal my body. They don't supply my financial needs. They don't give me grace to live triumphantly and victoriously in Christ Jesus. I don't know the ungodly world influenced by Satan anything, but I owe God in His grace and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for me to save me, I owe them everything. And if you're going to make me choose between Jesus or something else, the Bible says that, that Jesus rebuked and a church in Ephesians and uh, in Ephesus in the book of Revelation and told him to repent because they had lost their first love. You know, if you lose your first love, then that means someone else has got your love. And if something else has got your love, it's an idol. And Hemi knows that all through the Old Testament that idol worship got people in trouble. I only have one idol, and it's not the American idol. <laughs> Are you still here? The only thing that I've got, the, what is the great command? It is thou shalt love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength, and whatever's left over, you're going to give it, I'm a, I'll give it to the world, but I just don't have any left over to give them. Are you still here? God, the Bible says, is a jealous God. And that's not a snibbling, controlling, you know, jealousy. That's, I bought you, I'm married to you, I'm in covenant with you, and I'm not going to tolerate rivals. You're not going to serve idols part of the time and serve me part of the time. He said, you know, what fellowship hath righteousness with... Un this is New Testament, not Old Testament. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What uh, fellowship hath light with darkness? Right? He said, uh, come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father unto you and you will be my sons and my daughters. And Paul concluded by saying, therefore, brethren, having these promises, uh, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the spirit and of the flesh and perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. Can I have five more minutes? Can I have five more minutes? You give me five? You give me five more minutes? That's ten. Give me... No. <laughs> I just need to say a few more things this morning, okay? Back to wisdom. Wisdom is insight. Wisdom is foresight. The, the work of the Holy Spirit is to the spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit will get you ready for the future. 
but you have to be not stubborn and teachable. The Bible says to humble yourselves, 1 Peter 5, 6, under the mighty hand of God. Well, we know the hand of the Lord is the Spirit of God. The Bible talks about the hand of the Lord coming on the prophets and, you know, different people. Well, it was the Spirit of God or the anointing that came upon them. And so when the Bible talks about humbling yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that means that humble yourself means to uh, divest yourself of, of forwardness or pride or doing things your way and put yourself under the influence or the guidance of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's two functions of the Holy Spirit. One thing, the Holy Spirit recreates us and makes us uh, children of God and gives us eternal life. He drew us to Christ, revealed Christ to us, but we're born of the Spirit. You know, uh, the Lord told Nicodemus, He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So we're born of the Spirit. He's the one that recreates us. But in Romans uh, uh, 8, 14, it says, for many as are not born of the Spirit, but are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And the word their sons is not the word for children. It means maturing ones. So the only way to come into Christ-likeness and to come into maturity is not just be born by the Spirit, but to give the Spirit of God deference and yieldedness of our life to Him. I know the Lord, you know, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, it says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. I can overcome the world through the power of the Spirit of God working in my life if I yield to Him and submit to Him and defer to Him. Actually, Jesus said, uh, I'll pray the Father and He will give you another helper. And the another is a Greek word, heteros, which means another of the same kind. The Holy Spirit was to take the place of Jesus in the life of His disciples in Jesus' absence. The Father in His personal presence is in heaven and Jesus is seated at His right hand and the person of the Godhead that is, uh, you know, that's, uh, in the earth and is working uh, here in the earth today is the Holy Spirit. I, I read a quote this past week that I really enjoyed. It said that uh, Jesus is only Lord over the church to the degree that the Holy Spirit is Lord in the church. And Jesus personally is only Lord of my over Lord over my life to the degree that the Holy Spirit is Lord in my life or leads me or guides me. So this week I've been trying to buddy up with the Holy Spirit more. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit uh, is a person of 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 infinite wisdom. He's the spirit of wisdom. He has infinite power. He's infinitely, uh, you know, wise. He's in me. If I learn to be sensitive and led by the Spirit of God, 
He will lead me and guide me into all truth and He'll lead me out of the curse and out of depression and out of poverty and out of sickness and out of dullness and out of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, satanic influence and, he, and out of world conformity. Uh, you, the grace, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of grace. The Bible calls Him the Spirit of grace. And so having the grace of God in our life is having the, the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. I mean, He yearns jealously, James says, over us to keep us out, uh, you know, into the perfect will of God. And so, you know, part of the response on our part is sensitivity to Him. Somebody said that the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person in the church. Now you might have felt like you were ignored, <laughs> ignored by somebody coming in this morning. But many churches, uh, you know, somebody said that church history uh, is 19th since Jesus, 2,000 years of uh, operation with men trying to replace the Holy Spirit with something. <laughs> whether it would be programs or whether it would be uh, some kind of hierarchy or, uh, I mean, you know, uh, Jesus is the head of the church. He's Lord over the church and the Holy Spirit is Lord in the church. And if He wants to move, we ought to move. And if He wants us to repent, we ought to hit the floor. And if He wants us to laugh and rejoice, we ought to laugh and rejoice. We ought not be hard to work with. The Bible says that God is the potter and we are the clay. And you know, some clay, it can be harder to work with than others. I didn't call any names. <laughs> you, you want to be tender and easy to work with. <clears throat> Stubbornness is not a good characteristic. Stubbornness, you know, a lot of times people will, will uh, you know, glamorize stubbornness. They'll say, well, my granddad was stubborn, my father was stubborn, and I'm just a chip of the all block, I'm stubborn. Well, first of all, the Bible says if you believe something with your heart, uh, in your heart and say it with your mouth, you'll have what you say. Stop saying I'm stubborn. Stubbornness is not just a little idiosyncrasy or a small thing. In the Bible, we were talking about Saul earlier being removed from a kingship. You know, when he wouldn't obey God, uh, you, know, uh, he, you know, the Lord had told them to destroy the Malachites and everything. And he brought back the sheep and, uh, because he feared the people and was under the influence of the people and wanted to look good for the people. Right? And a fear of man, the Bible says, is a snare. And he brought those back in disobedience to the God, to the Lord. And Samuel said, "What what means these bleeding of the sheep?" And uh, Samuel started, uh, Saul started making excuses. Remember what we said: pride makes excuses, humility makes changes. Uh, you know, he said, "Well, the people wanted to offer sacrifice to your God." Well, God had said, "Destroy them." But he's making excuses. He said, the people 
wanted to do something. And it was for really for a godly reason. So we disobeyed for a good reason. There's no good reason to disobey. <laughs> We've all disobeyed. But Samuel said to him, he said, uh, you know, uh, God desires obedience rather than sacrifice. And he said that, uh, you know, that stubbornness is as witchcraft. Right? And, you know, sometimes people say, well, a little stubbornness, everybody's stubborn. That's like saying, well, everybody's got a little witchcraft going on in their life. If Nedra came over to my house to knock on the door to drop something off and she looked through the window and I was on the floor with a pentagram and, uh, uh, you know, bowing down and I had a dead chicken there and some blood sprinkled on some stuff and some idols set up, uh, she wouldn't look through the window and say, ah, pastor's just practicing a little bit of witchcraft. Everybody does a little bit of witchcraft. <laughs> right? So stubbornness can get you into trouble. You know, one of the Lord's uh, things that He said about Israel, He said they were what? They were a stiff-necked people. You're not going to make me do anything. I'm free. I'm an American. You may be. But, you know, that's not going to bless you. Now, when it comes to the devil, be stubborn as you want to be. <laughs> Can you say, man, just stubbornly resist him constantly with everything he has. But when it comes to God, stubbornness is not a good characteristic to have. Amen? You want to be moldable. You don't want to have to, you want to be rain trained. You don't have to have a bridle. I may be preaching to myself this morning, but I'm doing some good preaching. Because God gives grace to the humble. I mean, if I'm not so headstrong and so hard headed and mule headed and pig headed, I mean, who wants to be a pig or a mule with God? Who wants to have to have a bridle and a bit in your mouth and have to be yanked and jerked around? Uh, God wants us to be just quick to be teachable and to, uh, to, to, you know, to respond to the Holy Spirit. I did some repenting. This was like, Holy Spirit, I, I need you. Because the Lord be began to deal with me, give the greater one greater place. And I'm just like, I am not here to get more power of the Holy Spirit for me to utilize and use. That's not the right perspective. I'm going to get more power for me to use. I am to give surrender to the Holy Spirit for Him to use. Holy Spirit uses me. Amen. I don't get some of Him to use Him. And there's a big difference. I mean, you know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is like the wind. It blows where it wants to. You, you know, I may want it to cool off today and I can go outside and say, south wind, start blowing. North wind, start blowing. But you know, the wind is a, 
autonomous. The wind don't just do what I want it to. And the Holy Spirit is like a wind. I don't tell Him what to do. He tells us. He's the one that leads us and guides us. And we're to learn to yield to and be sensitive to and surrender ourselves to. And the Bible says the world knows not the Spirit, but you know Him, for He shall be in you and He shall be with you. We're walking to a different drumbeat. We're Spirit-led. We're not being conformed to this world. And the Holy Spirit, there's grace for us to walk in the Spirit. We just didn't get born of the Spirit. We're to be led of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into freedom and lead you into victory and lead you into liberty in God that gets you out there where uh, you're walking in the fullness of the perfect will of God. So we're not resisting the Holy Spirit, nor grieving the Holy Spirit, or quenching the Holy Spirit. We're yielding to, cooperating with, giving in to. Can you say amen? I, uh, I believe that there's grace for us to live on a plane that we've never lived on before. Back to wisdom. And in closing, wisdom is foresight, the ability to see. Wisdom is insight, the ability to see. And wisdom is the godly skill to live in a way that pleases God. Think about that. Wisdom is godly skill. How many knows if you've got a skill... Uh, you know, if you've got carpentry skills, you can build things. You, you know how to do things. Well, the Holy Spirit knows how to please the Father and please the Lord Jesus Christ. And He can give us wisdom is the godly skill to live. How many knows what, how Jesus lived? He said, I always do those things that please the Father. Now here is the thing that I wish we had more time on. How does wisdom come? The Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why do people come up with these political correctness and these things of the world uh, that change? Why would someone change God's definition of marriage? No fear or respect or reverence of God. God said it this way, but they know better. We're not going to fear or to honor God. We're going to change it because we like it better this way. And that gets you out of wisdom. And then you're dull. You don't know how to please God. And then you go into further darkness and depravity. And you're more and more influenced by the enemy. If God said this is the way things should be, this is the way it is. If He made human beings, uh, you know, why, why is evolution a 
theory that's propagated today. Lack of fear of God. No respect for Genesis 1. No respect for God's testimony. No respect for the truth of God's Word. If we can say there's no God and God didn't create it, then I don't have any responsibility to live accountable before God. That don't change the fact that we're all going to stand before God. Amen? And that we'll all give an account of our life. The Bible said the fool has said in his heart there is no God. The fool has said it evolved and it wasn't created like Genesis 1. The fool has said Marriage can be between multiple uh, individuals of different sexes or same sex, or uh, that's being a fool. That is aligning yourself in opposition and rebellion and opposing God. And you can't prosper. And we as Christians, we're to not be influenced by the world system. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so, you know, we need somebody saying up and saying, you know, uh, you know, uh, you people are just will just include these people. It's all right to live this way and still be in church, and it's still. Uh, you can't you can't walk with God and oppose God. You have to agree with Him. And uh, the Bible said that these things are not going to enter the kingdom of God. But we can and should live in a way that prepares us for the kingdom of God. And there's grace for us to walk with God and to live in accordance and in alignment with God. How can two walk together unless they be agreed, Amos 3.3 says. You can't disagree with God. Uh, That is ignorance uh, to disagree with God. We are not the Creator. We're the created. We don't sustain anything. We're the sustained. You know, I got breath in my lungs and sanity in my mind and my heart is beating if God took His hand off of me, uh, you know, I mean, life is from God. Who am I to defy the Creator? Amen? Stubbornness is witchcraft, and the Bible says rebellion is like idolatry. Right? But we're not rebellious. Sit with me. I'm not the rebellious. I'm not the disobedient. I have the reverent fear and respect of God Almighty. I love Him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. And He is and always will be my first love. Amen. This is not a condemnatory heavy thing. It's just 
let's have some gravity and some sobriety and let's dissect this thing in a manner that it is what it is and we see it for what it is and we have substance. And like Moses, if we have to forsake uh, you know, uh, you know, being called Pharaoh's, choose not to be called Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, go back to that scripture and we'll finish with it. It says that Moses, uh, you know, when he came of age, uh, refused to be called the uh, son of Pharaoh's daughter, right? And chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Amen. You know, the Bible says if we don't suffer with Him, we won't be glorified with Him. But if we suffer with Him, we'll be glorified with Him. Can you say amen? It's Hebrews eleven twenty six that we'd got up to. Next verse, or, or 20, go to 25 just for reference. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Say, that's me than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Next verse. Why? He valued. Say he valued. How many knows God's set of values is different from this world's set of values? Esteeming or valuing the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect, or that would be honor or reverence, unto the recompense or to the value of the reward. How many believes that what God's going to reward you with is incomparable with anything the world can give you? How many think Moses is happy today that he chose not to be Pharaoh's daughter, but to go out in the wilderness and to walk with the children of God? Right? Uh, next verse. It says, by faith, glory to God. That means faith is seeing, uh, you know, faith is substance so for the evidence of things not seen. We believe that Christ is coming back. We believe in the coming kingdom of God. He did what? He got out of Dodge. He got out of Egypt. How many knows that, uh, that uh, with Sodom... Uh, uh, you know, Lot kept delaying and kept delaying and kept delaying. Don't delay. Don't procrastinate. Your flesh will procrastinate and your flesh will delay. Get out of sin. Get out of darkness. Get out of the world system. Get out of political correctness. Get out of worldview that's opposite of the Bible. Get out of it. The Lord told Abraham, get out from your people. Say, well, my people, I, I, you know, you can't love people more than you love God. I'm not going to hell for anybody. I'm not going to compromise righteousness for anybody. Shadrach, Meshach. We need some Shadrach, Meshachs, and Abednego. Some people that have backbones like crowbars instead of like cotton string. Not tossed around with every political doctrine of correctness. Say, the Bible said it. I believe it. That settles it. This is the way I'm going to walk. By faith, he forsook Egypt. He got out of there. 
There's some programming we need to get out of on television. Sometimes there's music you need to get out of. Sometimes there's circles, social circles you need to get out of. Sometimes there's relatives that you need to put some distance between you and them. If they're pulling you out and, and holding you out of walking with God, you need to just stick with God and uh, hold your row of cotton and keep your eye on the price. He said, by f- <laughs> thank you for that, amen. <laughs> by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He didn't give a big rip what Pharaoh thought. And I don't give a big rip what a lot of people think. I don't mean that, uh, you know, uh, dishonorably. Uh, you know, I respect people. But, you know, if your opinion is different from God's opinion, then I don't give a rip about your opinion. Amen? Say it with me. I don't give a rip about what the world thinks about me. I don't give a rip of what ungodly people think about me. Jesus is my first love. And I give great importance to what He thinks and how to please Him. So He said, didn't fear the wrath of the King and He endured... He made it through all the wilderness and stuff because he saw him who is invisible. We don't see him with our physical eye, but he is. He created, the Bible says, we see the invisible God by just seeing the visible things that he created. Glory to God. Next verse. Through faith, he kept the Passover. And that reminds me, I thought we were closing, but I forgot we got the Lord's Supper today, so we're going to keep the Passover. Amen? The sprinkling of blood, that is, uh, Christ shed blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Uh, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which Egyptians, trying to do the same, were drowned. And by faith, he goes on to talk about how the walls of Jericho fall down. Can you say, man, to being... Uh, having allegiance uh, and being connected with Jesus today.